This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, in a world of questions, we've got answers. And in a world of problems, we've got solutions. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight, we're going to take an even closer look and grade the quarterbacks after their Week 2 performance. So welcome in as we head into NFL Week 3. And I hate to say it, but some of these grades aren't going to be real pretty. But we'll also chronicle how many points certain quarterback starters are worth to the line and what it means if they can't start since we're seeing some new starters this week. In about 50 minutes, we welcome in a special guest, my friend Joe Gibbs, who heads up uh, a, a research firm called NFL Ref Stats. And, you know, it's funny, when handicapping games, can you take the referees into consideration? Well, this will be an interesting conversation you're going to want to listen to because Joe's amassed quite a bit of data uh, after Bruin Finley's update at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about why the Raiders might actually be for real as well as the usual Vegas betting lines, odds and ends, and things of that nature. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Mendota Springs, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All righty. We've already got an interesting headline for tomorrow's games because, folks, Many of you wanted your wish to come true, and now it is. Matt Nagy held off as long as he could, but Justin Fields will be under center tomorrow as the Bears visit Cleveland. And he was actually the Chicago Bears' primary quarterback in the second half of their Week 2 game against the Bengals. And uh, he had a 27 passer rating. Now let me set this up because some people like to listen selectively. I happen to like Justin Fields. Of all the quarterbacks that were drafted last year, he has one quality that I think that may be number one, and that's huddle presence. He's an engaging individual. He seems wise beyond his years. He also came from a college program that doesn't exactly get quarterbacks ready for the pros. Justin Fields holds the ball too long. I'm not sure if he Hunter, he's recognizing what he's seeing yet, and his default me- mechanism is to run. As a matter of fact, Andy Dalton got hurt last week, and, and I know there's lines in, in, in rows and hordes of Dalton haters. Dalton is the fourth quickest in the NFL getting the ball out of his hand. Right? I know he's not going to take the top off of defense. I know he's not going to take a game over. No one's going to confuse him with uh, with Michael Vick. No one's going to confuse him you know, with Tom Brady. No one's going to confuse him with uh, Lamar Jackson. But... In the, you know, over an eight-year period, he won over 75 games, threw over 200 touchdown passes. And uh, he, look, the long and the short of it is he's in rarefied air when it comes to stats, but I get it, he's not their future. But just try to hold two thoughts concurrently because he's not the dog you think he is. So Justin Fields is going to get his chance tomorrow, and uh, let's go. Let's see, what, let's see what he can do. But there were three plays last week that defined Justin Fields' performance and you characterize it as inconsistent when the bears were up 20 to 10 with four minutes left fields to uh, justin fields threw a particularly bad interception and why 
He failed to spot the you know Bengals linebacker, Logan Wilson, who dropped into coverage after the ball was snapped, and he threw the ball right to him. Those are the things you've got to get familiar with if you're going to be a major league quarterback consistently. And I know I get it. He's brand new. All quarter, all great quarterbacks started out rough, but that set up the Bengals with a first and goal. And on the next play, the Bengals scored, and all of a sudden the game's twenty to seventeen. However, on the next drive. Justin Fields made a brilliant play that effectively helped to seal the win for the Bears. On the third and nine, he was able to break a tackle and scramble for a first down conversion. At this stage of his career, his legs are better than his arm. Simple fact. His default mechanism is going to be to run, and I hope he doesn't get leveled tomorrow. But that about sums up Fields' day. There were moments of, you know, impressive plays and ones featuring very painful mistakes. But ultimately, he was inconsistent. And perhaps no play encapsulates that better than a strip sack he suffered on the first drive of the second half. Fields let the pressure get to him on the play. He was pulled off for the sack and stripped, and it looked like the Bengals were going to have an easy scoop and score opportunity. However, Fields managed to worm his way toward the ball. That also saved the Bears then uh, from falling behind and allowing him to flip the field with a punt. So the strip sack was not a pretty play from Fields, but he managed to salvage it because it was a quick reaction after the fumble. Overall, he ran for 31 yards on 10 carries, 6 of 13 uh, passing for 60 yards and an interception. That said, again, Fields also had a couple of really nice throws on the day that were completed. He hit Daryl Mooney in the hands on the first drive of the second half, but Mooney didn't haul in the pass. Later on, Allen Robinson also failed to catch a pass that Fields threw to him right downfield, went right through Robinson's hands, hit him in the chest, and then fell to the ground. But, of course... Fields wasn't perfect on every throw either. Most notably, he led Mooney slightly too far in a potential touchdown that would have extended Chicago's lead for you know to at least 20. Instead, they had to settle for a field goal. And Justin Fields also had a problem with penalties. He was whistled for two false starts during the contest, and he was using a bit too much motion when signaling for the snap. Then he backed up the Bears twice, and that made it difficult for them to convert on first downs. It's part of the reason... The Bears only had 83 yards of total offense in the second half. How did Fields feel about his own performance? He wasn't happy about it and says he vows to improve in the future. I like Justin Fields, okay? He said it. There's a lot more than me that I have to show that's going to come with time. Not going to happen overnight, so I'm just going to keep grinding no matter what happens. I know I'm meant for this. I'm meant to be here. My path here has been crazy. When I was younger, I never thought I'd be here in this position. I'm here for a reason. I definitely think I can play better. I think this is the beginning. I'm excited for the future. When Justin Fields says those things, I I believe he's sincere. I like the guy a lot. He still has to learn how to play the position as to what the NFL demands. Okay, It's a different position than you play in college. I'm going to reiterate what I said last week. A quarterback must first learn to read and recognize the nature and structure of a defense as a whole. Because when the ball is snapped... And the defense shifts post-snap. Told you about the play. Logan Wilson dropping back in the coverage. He threw it right to him. Here's another example. Let's say the defense shows a two-safety look, and the middle of the field is wide open before you snap the ball. Then they move to a single safety safety after the ball snap. Now, what is it? it, You've got to survey the field. Are they in man coverage? Uh, Are they in cover one? Are they in zone? Do the corners give space? Do they drop pressure? Or do they bring pressure? Does the front structure change? This is what makes playing quarterback so complex. 
the volume of information you have to absorb and process before and after the snap determines whether you can repeat success at the NFL level. Defensive coordinators are smart. They're clever. They're going to make you think. They're going to make you work. Cleveland is going to make Justin Fields work tomorrow. He's going to have a split second to read, make decisions, and execute based on the looks he sees. You don't just take off and run. He's got to make his reads and get the ball out of his hands. You know what they're going to do? They are going to, I'm going to tell you right now, Cleveland is, is, is going to apply pressure. They're going to force him to stay in the pocket. They're going to put a vice in him. And he's going to have to make complex throws to covered receivers. And if he starts to run too much, some linebacker's going to hit him so hard, his kids are going to be born dizzy. I'm very, this is the one game I'll be glued to tomorrow because I'm not so sure. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it could be a rough day. But Cleveland is due for a good game at home. But look, it's, a, it's always a baptism by fire. Go back and look at guys like John Elway and Peyton Manning. and I can give the whole lit, litany of names. But, you know, he has to – Justin Fields has to go through what everybody else went through. It's, it's not an automatic entree and a, and a downhill road to success. Mac Jones, uh, what grade would I give him last week? Probably a B-. minus. Um, Maybe – I'll tell you what, I'll give him a B. I'll give him a B to a B+. Plus. He didn't make a ton of wild plays, and he's not going to probably be allowed to do that under Bill Belichick. And if, and if I'm being fair, even Mac Jones held the ball a bit too long at times, and he cost himself some sacks. And he didn't take any available deep shots, although he didn't have to. So Jones' stat line isn't overly impressive, 23 or 30 for 186 yards, but he's serviceable. He's already serviceable in the league, and that's all you can ask for in a rookie quarterback. He will continue to grow. He's going to have to eliminate some weird plays. There was one you know, really weird play. He does something that other rookie quarterbacks uh, don't have, though. He, he has a lot of poise. He looks like a veteran under center, and while a lot of the Patriots' offense is, is predicated around throws and work in the middle of the field, Jones executes the offense very effectively, very efficiently, and he, you know, he led the Pats to their first one of the season. And they probably should be 2-0 and if not for the fumble in week one. And, you know, the first of very likely many to come. As I said, I've been saying since April, Mac Jones is, to me, by far the most NFL-ready quarterback. And you can, people can go on the radio that are uninformed and say he doesn't have a strong arm. Not buying it. Say he doesn't run fast. Well, why did he run the 40 faster than Patrick Mahomes? Be that as it may... You either win or lose in this league. Trevor Lawrence, sorry, buddy. I'm going to give you a D for last week. 14 to 33, 118 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. This is an unforgiving league. Lawrence is going to keep getting his shots because he's the number one overall pick. And the early returns, though, are, well, kind of meh. And I guess that's to be expected. He's not a one-man savior. He joined a team that's 1-15, and and this is the way it works. And I, I think... His debut is, was a little up and down in, in a loss on week one. Then he had a very kind of a daunting task week two facing what I believe is a very good Broncos defense with Vic Fangio. And it went about as well as you could expect. Again, I'm repeating myself, 14 to 33 for 118 yards. He did throw that touchdown on the first drive, which is impressive, but he did have two picks as well. However, the Broncos defense is among the best in the NFL. And, and Vic Fangio, who was the architect of that great San Francisco 49er defense that got to Super Bowl, I think it was 56, 
or check that 46 against Baltimore many years ago. So it's not exactly a, a get-right for game for Lawrence after his debut. So it's way too early to sound any kind of alarm bells with this guy. Come on, give him a chance. But for one game, I'm going to give him a D. Now, I love Zach Wilson, but uh, I hate to say this. I might have to give Zach Wilson the dreaded F. And I, I've actually sung Zach Wilson's praises quite a bit. He does get the ball out of his hands. He's got phenomenal arm talent. He can make every throw in the field. Uh, he throws in rhythm. He throws on schedule. But he had an abysmal, an abysmal, easy for me to say, performance versus the radio, uh, the uh, Patriots defense on Sunday because he tossed four picks and lost 25-6. to six. And not all interceptions are created equal, of course. Wilson's first turnover was, again, a very bad read and a bad throw. But his second was the product of a tough throw and the ball simply slipped through Corey Davis's hands. But the third and fourth ones were kind of bad as well. We don't need to dwell on them, but they weren't good. Wilson only threw three interceptions in his last season at BYU, and he has to get through. He has five through his first two games in the NFL. So a rough outing versus a Belichick defense, well, that's almost to be expected since Belichick chews up rookie quarterbacks pretty regularly. Later in the show, I'm going to tell you what Belichick's secret is and how he does eat up these rookie quarterbacks and some of the tricks he uses. Now, thankfully for Wilson and the Jets at large, uh, the running game actually showed real life on Sunday. They ran for 150 yards, and the offensive line the Jets have this year is better than than you think, and and it was better than their week one showing. So I'll be curious to see how Zach Wilson bounces back this week against a very tough Denver defense. Um and it'll be intriguing. It'll be a good game tomorrow. The Jets are getting 10.5. I like Denver. I think they're going to win. I don't know if they cover the 10. One final grade. i got to give Trey Lance a complete because he didn't even get on the field in week two. And I'm, I'm told his, his time is coming, and he had a little bit of an audition week one, and you know he was on the bench for the entire game against the Eagles. And I will tell you that Jimmy G, who who is now 26-8 and eight as a starter, uh, his week two performance wasn't exactly awe-inspiring. 22 of 30, 189 yards, and a touchdown. That got the job done against a pretty tough Philly front seven. A squeaky, ugly, gritty 17-11 win over the Eagles. But I think I, – I, I, I don't know what to make of that quarterback situation. There. I, got, I, guess, I still believe as long as Jimmy G is healthy, he's going to start. Be that as it may, they didn't draft Trey Lance number two or was it number three overall – to sit around coming up very interesting conversation with joe gibbs of nfl ref stats obviously you take a lot of things into consideration when you handicap an nfl game but do you take referees into consideration joe will explain discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year it's amazing because discover is accepted at 99 percent of the places in the u.s that take credit cards learn more at discover.com slash yes 2021 nielsen report Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports 
Radio Studios at the Simons. Welcome in a gentleman, good friend of mine, who's come up with a very interesting concept, and it's called NFL Ref Stats. Say hello to Joe Gibbs. Hey, Joe, thanks for staying up late tonight, buddy. Oh, no worries. How you doing, Bernie? Good. I want to dive right into this because I think you've really done some phenomenal work here in the last few years. Obviously, umpires have certain tendencies for strike zones in baseball games, and certainly the NBA referees, when they have, you know, comes to calling fouls, interpret differently. Before we dive into some of the specifics, talk about how, well, what, you know, the, the, the reason you came up with this concept in terms of using NFL referees to handicap games. Well, I mean, the, the primary reason initially was I'd watch the games and I'd bet on the games like a lot of people. And I just noticed, not necessarily knowing who the referees are, but I just noticed week to week that certain refereeing styles were they were influencing games and they were definitely influencing point spreads and totals. And this was just every week. But I didn't really know who the referees were. Like, I didn't follow it closely. And I'm like, well, it seemed kind of logical to me to uh, want to get some, you know, comprehensive data on these guys and so this is the surprising part to me there really wasn't much out there as far as when i got online to to research there just wasn't really a whole lot there like there is with baseball i know that but but not for the nfl so i went and did it myself i created my own database um you know, for a variety of things, obviously straight up and against the spread, that's obvious, mm-hmm. and totals. And then as far as, like, division, you know, division matchups, home dogs, uh, percentage of penalties called on the home teams versus the away teams, um, what type of penalties, that's a big one. Obviously, pass interference penalties, uh, th- those are a biggie. And what referees called more than others, because they all look at it differently. Like you said, with baseball in the strike zone, a referee on a, you know, there's certain referees, and we'll get into it a bit later on, but some will call a ton of offensive holding, like Tony Corrente last week with the Chargers and the Cowboys, if you watch that game, and others will just let it go. And so to me, it just seemed logical to get that stuff and then apply that to each game on a week-to-week basis, depending on what the referee assignment was to a particular matchup. Let's dive into this, Joe, because you've categorized it really well. For instance, since 2016, who are some of the referees that lean toward home field advantage? Well, the three that really stand out, and this, again, I've, I've done it since 2016. I can go back further, but I've tried to incorporate the most recent rule changes. Right. So, you know, doing stuff in 2010 may not necessarily be applicable in 2021. So from 2016 onwards, there's three referees that really stand out as far as home field advantage. Um, John Hussey's one. And just to give you an example before I give you numbers, the average win percentage for home home field is about 48 49%. So Hussey straight up 65% since 2016 straight up, 57% against the spread. And that's way above average, way above. Brad Allen's another one. 61% straight up, 60% against the spread since 2016. Carl Sheffers, uh, 63% straight up, 58% against the spread. So these guys are way above average when it comes to home field advantage, way above. Uh-huh. Um, so we've got John Hussey, Carl Sheffers, and Brad Allen are guys to watch in terms of yeah. home field advantage teams. Now, obviously, in every game, there's a favorite and an underdog. Which are some of the best home underdog referees in those last five years? 
your best home underdog guys, uh, well, a couple of guys we just mentioned. John Hussey's very good. Um, not a huge sample size. He's only done 22 games of home underdogs in that in that stretch. But they're 15 and 7, 68% against the spread. So uh, Brad Allen, 18, 10 and 1 against the spread. So he's 64% with home dogs. And Tony Corrente, he's 23 and 12 against the spread with home underdogs. And that's 67%. So those are three guys that really stand out. Yep. Um, and I and I've tried to sort of. I'm not exactly sure why that is. I mean, obviously, I can't get into their minds, but certain guys are more influenced by home field crowds than sure. others. That, that's that's all I can really put it down to. Um, and I do look at the percentage of uh, penalties called on home teams with those guys, and it is slightly advantageous for the home team, but nothing overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, certain guys are influenced and other guys aren't. Talking with Joe Gibbs of NFL Ref Stats, and he's compiled a very nice database since 2016 in terms of referee tendencies. Obviously, Joe, betting totals is a big thing in the NFL. You bet overs, you bet unders. Which are some of the referees whose games have a tendency to go under? Well, there's a couple of guys, and anyone who follows my uh, Twitter post, they, they see this. Bill Vinovich is one. And, again, his style is to let him play. Like, um, this year, referee penalty counts are up about two and a half more per game. Last year was about 10.9 a game, and this year it's pushing 13 per game. Well, Vinovich has actually gone down. So he's actually dropped. He's averaging, I think it's about nine penalties a game. So, Bill Vinovich, though, last, uh, since 2016, 61% of his games have gone under. And division games with Bill Vinovich, wow. 60, 67% have gone under. 11, 21, and 1. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's overwhelming. Another guy, Brad Allen, same thing. Uh, 32 and 45, 59% to the under. Division games with Brad Allen, 8 and 20, 68% to the under with Brad Allen. And another guy, Tony Corrente, same thing, 59% to the under since 2016. So since we've talked about unders, Joe, a lot of folks, the public, typically like to bet overs. Right. Who've been the best over ref since 2016? Well, this is a no-brainer. This is uh, Jerome. Anyone that follows my, my Twitter posts, they, Jerome Boga, he's, he's the king of the over. Since 2016, uh, Boga is 48-30. He's actually owing – he's 2-0 to the under this year. He's actually be – he had a push in week one if you got a good number, but I, I put it down to 2-0 to the under. But, yeah, Boger is uh, 62% to the over since 2016. So if you walked into the sports book every Sunday and all you did for the last five years was bet Jerome Boger games over, you'd be at 62% right now. Make all the money you want to make. We're talking yeah. with Joe there's Gibbs. A couple, there's, there's, a couple, there's a couple more guys, Bernie, with the overs. Go ahead. And I, I don't post these as much right now because – there's a couple of new refs in the league, so they don't have as large a sample size that I can go on. But there's, there's a kid named Sean Smith, and he's actually on the Jaguars-Cardinals game tomorrow. He's 27-20 and 20 to the over 58% in his career. He's only done 47 games. So it's not a huge sample size, but still 58%. He's 2-0 to the over this year. And this is a new one, and I mentioned this to you the other day. This guy is really new. So I, Brad Rogers is his name. He's done 29 games in the NFL as a referee. He's 22-7 and seven to the over, 76%. Joe, this is really good stuff. What I'd like to do 
as we get into the season, get around week 10, uh, let's have you back on again to see if the numbers this year are falling in line with what you've compiled versus home field advantage, betting unders, betting overs, things of this nature since fans are back in the stands this year. Absolutely. Oh, the fans have made a big difference, just like I mentioned earlier with the uh, penalty counts overall have gone up. I mean, part of that's obviously the crowd noise with the players, the offensive line, the false starts and whatnot. But these referees, they're human. They get, they get impacted by the crowd noise. They have to. Absolutely. Joe, uh, really good stuff. Again, let's get you on as the season progresses because anybody can find these refs, who's refing these games in the box scores, et cetera, that is published prior to the game. And if you've listened, go back, listen to this podcast, or take as many notes as you can because Joe's been compiling these stats since 2016. Yeah, and I'll, I'll post this stuff every week, Bernie, on Twitter. And I try to get in as early as I can. The assignments are posted Tuesday afternoon. So once I see the assignments and the applicable matchups and if there's anything that connects, I'll get out there and I'll post it throughout the week. And you can make your own decision. I mean, the information's there. It's up to you whether you want to use it or not. But, uh, yeah, just go to my uh, Twitter feed and you'll, you'll see it. And his Twitter feed is at NFL Ref Stats. And uh, we just retweeted it out on the Fox Sports Radio uh, Twitter handle, so you can follow Joe. Joe, thanks so much. Appreciate it. We'll talk tomorrow. No worries, Bernie. Have a good one. All right, that is Joe Gibbs of NFL Ref Stats. And if you caught that, referees just like umps in baseball, referees in basketball who call fouls, who call balls and strikes, they have their tendencies. Some are better if you've got a home field advantage. Some are better if you're playing an under, if you're playing an over, etc. Right down the line, and you can follow it at NFL Ref Stats. Coming up, no one saw the Raiders going out, coming out of the gate at two and zero. Are they for real? I will explain. But first, well, he's a BF. I'm a BF. We're both BFFs. <laughs> it is. Bruin Finley with the latest. Thank you so much, Bernie. As we look at college football, some of the last games to finish up on this Saturday. Number three, Oregon was up by just five points against Arizona going into the fourth quarter. And then the Ducks unleashed 17 straight and they went at 41 to 19 against the Wildcats. And one of the reasons the Wildcats struggled so much was their quarterback, Jordan McLeod, had five interceptions. Oregon State emasculates USC at the Coliseum on Saturday night. 45-27, Beavs quarterback Chance Nolan had four scores as the Beavs get it done in Los Angeles. Number four, Oklahoma put its faith in its kicker to get them out of a jam. For the win, snap back, hold down, kick is away, and it is good! And you can unhitch the wagon! Gabe Burkich to keep Oklahoma undefeated by the narrowest of margins. Oklahoma Sooners Radio Network, a win for the Sooners against West Virginia, 16-13, while number 15 BYU stiff arms USF, 35-27. Baylor Romney, the Cougar QB, had three touchdowns and 305 yards passing. Number 16 Arkansas, Upstage is number seven, Texas A&M, 20-10 as the Hogs strut out to 4-0 on the season for the first time since 2003. Number nine, Clemson belly flops against NC State, 27-21 in double overtime. While in baseball, the Cardinals are now winners of 15 straight after they get the win against the Cubs, 8-5. The Angels venting out their frustrations on their tough season. On the Mariners here, 14-1 a final score. Shoei Otani, two triple 
Naples. He had three RBI. The Giants run over the Rockies 7-2. So San Fran has a two-game lead in the NL West over those Dodgers who fell to the Diamondbacks 7-2. And by the way, the Braves, with their victory over the Padres 10-8 in 10 innings, means that San Diego is 23 games out of first place in the NL West. And it just seems like yesterday, Bernie, when San Diego was in the thick of things. You know who also hopes to be in the thick of things? The Colts. And they're going to get their quarterback in Carson Wentz starting on Sunday against the Titans. This according to ESPN. So, Bernie, perhaps... Carson Wentz is the solution, but then again, it's the Titans, so it's not going to be anything easy for India as they look for their first win of the season. Thank you, Brian, and remember the Titans. And by the way, <laughs> not for nothing, much like the uh, Clemson football team, I'd like to thank the San Diego Padres for participating in the 2021 season. Please help yourself to the home version of the game on the way out. One team that might be for real. And I did not see this coming, but it's only two games, and they've been 2-0 before, so let's not quite lose our minds just yet. That's the Las Vegas Raiders. Two impressive, gritty, gutty wins out of the gate. They were behind 14-0 to Baltimore at the uh, opening night of the season. It was a Monday night game, the first game ever where there were fans here at Allegiant Field in Las Vegas. Then they travel on the road to go play what I thought was going to be an impressive Steelers team uh, they let me down last year you can blame it on injuries but everybody has injuries but after starting 11-0 last year the Steelers really haven't been the same and let's face it their, their defense is a shell of what it was they don't have the same personnel uh, the running game is below they're just not they've got Steeler uniforms but as I said earlier too like Ben Roethlisberger come on the only person that Father Time has lost to is Tom Brady. Take your loss, Father Time. But Father Time got Big Ben. We were told he got in shape in the offseason. No, I don't think so. He he doesn't look in shape to me. And as I've said before, he's had more surgeries than Joan Rivers. They're not the same. Be that as it may, two gritty, gutty wins for the Raiders. Now, how do they do this? First of all, they've got a legit pass rush. When you look at their next-gen stats... They recorded a pressure rate of 55% in week one, 32% in week two. Give it up to Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. They've led the way for their pass rushing attack, combining to account for 11 pressures, and each has caused a turnover via pressure in their first two games. And even though neither one has recorded a sack, they're highly effective in getting to the quarterback and causing pressure. That matters. The second reason the Raiders have done so well is because let's give it up to Derek Carr. He's been elite in these first couple games, and I mean elite. He's thrown for 817 yards in the first two games of 2021. That's the most of any two-game span in the Raiders franchise history. He's also the first Raider with 350-plus passing yards and two-plus TDs in three straight games. So Derek Carr is, you know, haters, line up for your reckoning. Whatever the Raiders figured out in, in, in that frantic fourth quarter, you know, two Monday nights ago, is working. And Derek Carr is the one powering this attack. And part of the reason, his receiving cores have stepped up. Henry Ruggs third. he's finally flashing the big play potential that made him a first-round draft pick in 2020. He caught a strike from Derek Carr over the middle for a 61-yard touch, touchdown pass that proved to be the dagger against Baltimore. Darren Waller, Waller, again, he's highly productive. He catches a ton of passes every game. Hunter Renfro is the most... 
He's maybe the most trustworthy target on the team, and they're not calling him third in Renfro because he's an incredibly clutch target on third down. All right, I know this. I'm going to be accused of histrionics. I'm telling you, he might be this generation's Fred Bolitnikoff. I saw Super Bowl eleven in the Coliseum, or check that, in the Rose Bowl when the when the uh, Raiders beat the Vikings 32-14. to That was Fran Tarkenton, George Foreman. That was a very good Vikings team. Fred Blitnikoff was unreal. So is Hunter Renfro. He's incredible. So is Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards had a touchdown erased by a penalty. But these are four receivers on an upward trajectory. The third thing is, is that I am telling you, this home crowd here at Allegiant Stadium is absolute bananas. It's incredible how loud and raucous and how the Raiders feed off that energy. And this happens in the NFL. I don't know if you've ever been to a game at Arrowhead Stadium. The noise there is deafening. The Chiefs feed on that. If you've ever been to Seattle where the 12th man, the noise there is through the roof. Seattle, you know, for years has been one of the toughest places to play in the National Football League. We're going to find out tomorrow if the Raiders are for real. All right. They've got a tough game. They're laying three and a half, four against Miami. Miami will be starting Jacoby Brissett, who in a one-game affair is highly capable. So I would not – that game to me looks like a coin flip, and it was a coin flip. Two weeks ago, the send-off line was pick'em, but because the Raiders have won two games since and Miami lost one, the Lions moved right through two key numbers from three, three and a half. I think it now sits at four. The Raiders win tomorrow. They're going to be 3-0, and and if you're 3-0 – in the last 30 years, you got about a 77% chance of making the playoffs, but they've got to do it tomorrow, and I don't, I'm not involved in that game. I'm not confident that they're going to win. wouldn't surprise me if they did. Because, look, the NFL, uh, you know, Jason Martin said it in the last show, it's a week-to-week league, and it absolutely is, and there's a first time for everything, and frankly, it even occurred Sunday night in the NFL when Baltimore upset Kansas City and that come-from-behind victory because after going 11-0 straight up, and eight and three in, in the spread, against the spread in his very brief but brilliant NFL career, the Chiefs' Patrick Mahomes finally lost a game in September, and he had never even thrown an interception in the month of September in eleven games, but he threw his first one. So Mahomes still has pretty gaudy numbers. He's eleven and one in September with thirty-eight touchdowns and one interception. But guess what? In Kansas City's last thirteen games. They're only 2-11 and 11 against the spread. So you've really got to do your homework when week, you know, as, as each week goes by. Um, because look, look how bad Buffalo looked week one against Pittsburgh. They got dominated. They go on the road as a road favorite, and they crush Miami 35 to nothing. Now Josh Allen is now 12-4-1 against the spread as a road favorite. The Eagles had a 5-0 against the spread home dog streak snap last Sunday. Teddy Bridgewater, you know how much I love that guy. He's now 36-13 and as an NFL starter against the number. They're laying 10.5 tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Vikings are 9-1 to the over in their last 10 games when coming off a loss. They are coming off a loss. I do think they put up a lot of points tomorrow versus Seattle. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but they better because teams who start out 0-3 in the NFL – they have about a 3.4% chance of making it to the uh, playoffs. By the way, Tom Brady is now 9-0 straight up and 8-1 and against the number in his career against the Falcons. Interesting game tomorrow night against the Rams or tomorrow afternoon against the Rams. Coming up, who are the two big games the pros fired on tomorrow in the NFL? 
and further evidence of how we see things change from week to week. We'll tell you how, and there's seven teams that started 2-0. Uh, we'll tell you how 2-0 teams do, whether they're on the road or at home, and uh, we'll, again, share with you what are the two biggest games the pros have fired on, and you might scratch your head on one of them, but these guys know what they're doing if they're putting six figures on a game. They don't bat a 1,000, but they do this for a living. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team for all the hard work they do, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. That would be Nick Battaglia, Chris Perfett, and, of course, Bruin Finley. On the updates, could not do this fine show without you, gentlemen. Great job. Uh, Before I get to the top two games that the pros have fired on, and I know that... uh, uh, per Chris Andrews of the South Point, uh, more than one six-figure bet on these games. A uh, couple things you might want to know, because when you get to the NFL Week 3, you, you, you by now you've already seen, it never, never fails, how things can change from week to week. For instance, the Saints crushed the Packers in Week 1. Then they turn around and get lit up by the Panthers in Week 2. So the early NFL can sometimes be very confusing and misleading. And, and when that happens, you open up the history books and try to get a little bit better insight as to where can I maybe find an edge tomorrow? Well, there are seven teams that were 2-0. and And when you if you take a minute to examine how teams do in game three of the season, when they fared very well in their first two games and won their first two games, this is what the stats show us. 2-0 home teams versus 2-0 road teams. The home team is 23-17 and 17 against the spread. That's 58%. And if they happen to be a favorite, they're 15-10 and 10 against the spread. That's 66%. And uh, well, actually about 61%. And if they happen to be a home dog, but they were 2-0... Well, believe it or not, they're only seven and six against the spread. So look at the look at the card tomorrow. Which two and zero team plays which two and zero team, and the home teams are faring well. Now, if you want to, if you're a totals player, you like to play over unders. If a two and zero team is playing a and they're home, and they're they're hosting a team who was one and one, the over in those games has gone over thirty four. It's thirty. The record is thirty four and twenty two. That's a nice, tidy 64%. And if the home team is a favorite, I'm not really sure. I'd have to look at the card, but I'm not sure why a 1-1 one one road team would be a favorite over a 2-0 home team. But be that as it may, that could happen. I don't know if that's the case tomorrow. Again, favorites to the over 64% of the time. All right. 
Two games you might want to watch tomorrow in terms of your fandom, which I think both of these games, to me, are marquee-type games. The Saints and Teddy Bridgewater, who after singing his praises week one, well, what happened, Lucy? Teddy really was had a rough outing week two, and he, he goes and sees Bill Belichick tomorrow. The Saints are catching three points as they visit New England. And uh, we, I know that there is at least one $100,000 bet on the Saints catching three points tomorrow. Now, why? Well, Sean Payton, he's 48-28 and 28 against the spread in his career when he's coming off a loss, including 24-10 and 10, when his team is on the road. So he's on the road coming off a loss, 24-10, and 10, that puts you pretty pretty good category. That's almost 70%. On the other side of the coin, the Pats defense has been carrying the offense. Okay, Mac Jones, he's been doing a good job, but their offense isn't exactly scintillating, right? And by the way, you get that monster look ahead to Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champs next week. They wouldn't be human if they're not looking ahead. Again, the clincher, Saints coach Sean Payton, he's also 14-2 and against the number in his career when he's coming off a loss and seeking revenge. Remember, he lost to New England last year the other game the packers plus three over the 49ers game three teams nfl 24 and 48 against the spread and home openers when they're hosting non-division foes by the way the niners only three and nine in sunday night games against the number and rogers is nine and three when he's a dog of three points or less so saints plus three packers plus three those are the two games the pros are on tomorrow Keep it locked right here, because coming up at the top of the hour, Bernie Fratto will take you to 3 a.m. Pacific for Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio.